and welcome in. This is the Fan Checkdown. You're listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett here with you for the next hour. You can follow us on Twitter at MattyMar89, at Donovan Bennett, right? Very straightforward, I think. It is. But you have two N's but it in is Donovan. Correct. Yeah, yes. my parents decided to make it difficult for everyone. So it's D-O-N-N-O-V-A-N. And uh, at least it's not Dwayne Wade. So at least you got that part right. <laughs> that that part's true. okay. Uh, so as we await news, we, we await the Jonathan Taylor decision. And by my count, I think we are like a couple of hours away because I don't believe that he can be traded while on the PUP list. So we await that. And if we have news of that, of course, we will get to it. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Jones. We'll get to Jerry Jones. Uh, Kyler Murray ends up on the pup list. And we'll talk about what it could be an impending disaster for the Arizona Cardinals. I'll chat a little bit about the rookie quarterbacks. All three of the first rounders will be starting the season as their respective teams starting quarterback uh, and an AFC North preview. We did the AFC East preview. So if you missed it yesterday, you can subscribe to the podcast. Um, We'll do the AFC North today. No show tomorrow. We are preempted for Blue Jays baseball, but we will be back on Thursday and we will have, uh, let's go with the AFC West because we're going to try and prolong how long it takes us to do the AFC South because that's just. Do we have to do it? Yeah, we can. I mean, we can. can the we Jags are going to win the division. Let's just relegate the whole division. <laughs> just relegate. Except the, the Jags. Like all, all four of you have to be in the SEC next year, except the Jags. I would have a hard time believing that they would win a lot of games in some cases. No, come on. Of I'm, course, I'm just kidding. I I know they're all NFL players. They are. Um, also, in in the second half of this hour, the Hall of Famer himself, Bob Harris, Sirius XM fantasy host, editor at Football Diehards and Fantasy Sports Writer Association Hall of Fame member, will join us, and we will talk fantasy strategy we'll talk about uh who he is drafting the most and if there's going to be running back value in this draft which is something that never happens in fantasy drafts so it is the year of the wide receiver i think now jerry jones or jera your pal as we like to call my nemesis (laughs) it is funny how in sports there are certain owners who just meddle way too much. And even when they do not win, they still think that they know what's best. I know it's their money that they're spending, and I understand all that. But my goodness, Jerry Jones, the metal king. And yes, he's made billions of dollars. But that organization, as you know, they don't win anything. And Jerry keeps sticking his fingers in the peanut butter and he's like i'm i'm still this is still mine i'm still taking advantage of this i'm gonna do whatever it takes let's hear from jerry jones you sent me this this morning on why the team acquired quarterback trey lance you go ahead and talk about what the acquisition of trey lance means for this team this season but then also going forward after this year well he gives us an opportunity to do uh, what we would always like to be doing. Uh, it would be ideal with uh, uh, Dak <clears throat> to have a young, prospective, developing quarterback that could uh, uh, just be in the room, uh, be, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to use the term, but be on the team with him uh, because. Uh, uh, 
uh, this gives him not only an opportunity to take, uh, I'm talking Trace, not only Trey, what he got in San Francisco, but he can take, in my mind, one of the quarter, one of the finest quarterback rooms there is because Dak Prescott's in it. All right. There's a lot to break down there. One, he called him Trace. So that's your first problem, Jerry. His name is Trey. <laughs> Secondly, he talked about the importance of bringing in Trey Lance for Dak Prescott and then totally reverses course and says it would also be good for Trey Lance to be in a room with one of the finest quarterbacks around, Dak Prescott. When we know in the back of Jerry Jones's mind, he's saying, if Trey Lance is any good, I'm going to be getting rid of Dak Prescott. However that may be via trade, I mean, they can't really cut him, but that's kind of what I felt. And not to mention in all of this, there was no consultation between Dak Prescott and Jerry Jones or Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones and all of that. No, there wasn't. And I'm actually going to start by disputing something you said. Okay. Because you said Jerry Jones medals. I think you're going to take it to the next level. He puts his finger in proverbially someone else's peanut butter. Jerry Jones doesn't medal. Meddling is when you've got a backseat driver, which happens for me. I'm, I'm driving and... You know, the GPS is telling me where to go, and my wife is telling me where to go. So, am I turning off the GPS? Or am I turning you off? Can but is she telling you where to go on the road or in another facet? She's telling me how to get there. Okay. Watch out for this. Was it? Did you see this? What? Do you want to drive? Because we're both driving right now. So there, there's, there's meddling like that. Jerry Jones, no, it, he built the car. He's, he's driving the car. Wh- whether or not you're in... Your seatbelts are buckled up. Jerry doesn't care. He's taking the car to the destination because when it gets there, you know who he wants to get the credit? Oh, yeah. Jerry Jones. Jarrah. Yeah, you're right. The, the, the coach that delivered him two Super Bowls in Jimmy Johnson and built the team that won the third without him is not in the Cowboys' ring of honor. It's Jerry's discretion. He's in the Hall of Fame. So this is the man that we're talking about. He's not meddling. It's his decision. And what he was doing for me was he was sending a message because later he was asked, did you consult with Mike McCarthy? Did you consult with Dak Prescott? Which no other contingent of media would ask because they would assume that would be the case. <laughs> but they asked because not they only know did, better. He, did he say no, he stood on it and defended it and his posture got defensive about it because he doesn't have to ask. If you were watching the HBO Winning Time series, which you can watch on Crave if you were a Rogers On Demand customer. Nice plug. The other Jerry, Jerry Buss, in the most recent episode, was conducting himself the exact same way. His franchise, he pays the bills, he can make all the decisions. What other owner, this is end of August, what other owner is holding press conferences? I'm sorry, did you make a trade? Did you sign a new stadium rights deal? Why are you speaking? Because it's all about him. Mm-hmm. So he was sending a message. I don't need to ask Mike McCarthy. I don't need to ask Dak Prescott. And in fact, I'm doing it because it's my team. And they're on notice that next year, I'll be here. Two years from now, I'll be here. Who might not? Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott. So either fit in or... Get in line or get out. I just, there is, uh, there is something to be said who are about people who are not 
self-aware. <laughs> so you left the pregnant pause there, and I was like, you could go so many places with this, directions. and they'd probably all be right. Yeah. A team player, an effective leader, an effective communicator. Those would not have been on my list for Jerry Jones. No. <laughs> uh, arrogant. Um, uh, yeah, there's a lot that I could probably get into. So with all that being said, I, I just... If he's trying to send a message to Dak Prescott, like Mike McCarthy's already on the hot seat. I think we're pretty aware of that. But if he's trying to send a message to Dak Prescott, like what is the message? We brought in a guy who's the former third overall pick who couldn't cut it in San Francisco with an opportunity. And now he's coming to a team where he's back to being the third string quarterback and they're going to try and develop him. If I'm Dak Prescott, I'm not going to lie. Not super worried about this. I actually think from an organizational standpoint, this makes sense. You always want to be in sure. the quarterback business. Sure. Mike McCarthy, when he was part of the growth of the West Coast offense, whether it's Green Bay, San Francisco, their quarterback rooms were always stacked with multiple players that eventually would be starters either there or they groomed them to be starters elsewhere and you get assets in return. I think that's smart. I, but I think the message to Dak Prescott is, oh, our negotiations have started now. Cooper Rush, right, we've got him. He may leave, but we... we we also have other things in the cupboard. We're not resting with you. You're not the end-all, be-all for us. And if we develop Lance, and if you get hurt again and he plays and is effective, that's going to impact the amount of money we're willing to commit to you, which is the exact opposite relationship you want to have with your quarterback. Yeah, the most important position in sports. It shouldn't be acrimonious. No. It shouldn't be combative. It should be collaborative. Mm-hmm. And when it is that way, you win. Patrick Mahomes, Brett Veach, Andy Reid, all on the same page. Going to give you more money than really anyone needs, but it's going to be over a long term. We're going to be able to do things around you. Tom Brady, how often was he the highest paid player in the league when he was Never. a Patriot? Never. When that communication broke down, Tom Brady left. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you would proactively start a fire that now your head coach and your quarterback who are getting ready for week one now have to answer the questions that you have opened up shows you where his sights are focused. It's all about Jerry. And we are very, very well aware of that. And you as a Cowboys fan know that better than anybody on to other news and another team that is, well, I don't want to say the Cowboys are a disaster because I still think they're a playoff team, but there is a team in the NFC that is an absolute tire fire. Like, you cannot look away. And that is the Arizona Cardinals. So, Kyler Murray, we mentioned it yesterday. He's going on the pup list. He will or will not be activated off the pup list. He won't be playing for at least the first four weeks of the season. They traded for Josh Dobbs. They cut Colt McCoy yesterday. I think it was, like, right as we were going off the air. So, it's Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon, who I think was a fifth rounder, as the starter for now. And this is going to be a bad season in Arizona. It looks like they are intentionally tanking to get Caleb Williams, who is the projected number one overall pick out of USC. Here's the thing. I'm not certain that Caleb Williams is going to be there. Like, there is a chance that Caleb Williams says, mm-mm, going back to USC one more year because I don't want to play for that organization because we know over the course of, what, the last five or six years, that Arizona Cardinals organization is a, is a disaster. The Kyler Murray situation with the clause in the contract, you know, then there's all these problems with him playing Call of Duty. Maybe that's a Kyler Murray problem. But the fact that 
the stuff got out about his contract was probably not a good start. He's potentially going to sit out the year. Maybe they trade him for a bounty of picks. But then what happens if you don't if you do all this and you don't end up with what we are led to believe is a generational quarterback prospect? Like do they try do they go back and do it again? Cuz this is the worst team in football. It is the worst team in football by design. 100%. Cole McCoy is a league average, if not above average, backup. You've moved him for Josh Dobbs, who's you know a, a, a nice player, but certainly not someone you want starting for you for extended period of time. And Clayton Toon, who has no real track record of successful football at the National Football League level, and that's how you're starting this season. Now, you've moved on from Isaiah Isaiah Simmons, who, given the fact that he was an early day pick, what you got in return, both on the field as a player and, and they played him out of position. Well, I mean, I think the issue is he doesn't have a position. What yeah. what is what is his position? Yeah, what will he excel at? But I don't think that I mean that defense wasn't very good either. So it's not like they're surrounding him with pieces and anyway. No, and so and so he's moved on, and so this looks like it is a full teardown. We are gonna be crap for Caleb. We are going to be weak for Williams. We are going to tank. Here's the problem, though. You mentioned one that he doesn't have to enter the draft this year. Nope. And he could go back for record NIL money. It's not the same as being a professional, but still, you know, can pay some nice bills. I was going to say, it helps put the money in your jeans. For sure. He could go back to school if he so chooses, get a nice uh, insurance number in in terms of what may happen if you were injured and not able to play. But the other issue is, that's one thing. You secure the quarterback. Let's say he does want to come and no one is worse than you in the league. You just signed your quarterback last offseason. Yeah. And Kyler Murray. Big deal. Since then, what we've learned is there was a clause in his contract, as you mentioned, that he had to study X amount in order to... Make his salary. So now we're doing what I do at home, where we're putting up stars on the fridge when you do your chores and you don't throw a tantrum. And when you get to 20 stars, we go to Toys R Us and you get a truck. Like, that's what we're doing for a, a quarterback who's supposed to be the leader of the franchise. So you you put that out there, because I'm sure Kyler Murray and his agent didn't put that out there. So no. the team put that out there for God knows what reason. Comes back, gets hurt, doesn't finish the year, terrible season, now, if you are to create the space in the building for an elite quarterback, and we could see, again, three QBs go in the top four. Again, so it may not just be Caleb Williams. Even if you do that, you have to now move Kyler Murray, who you just paid, gave bonus money to up front, and now, partially because of your own doing, is a distressed asset. You said they have a plan to tank in Arizona. They don't have a plan. In Arizona. They just suck. I, I guess. <laughs> but 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 they're creating their own demise with no way out. It's true. And that's and that's the scary thing because what would you trade for Colin Murray right now? Oh boy. First, sorry, I'm, wrong question. I'm the would wrong you guy trade, to ask. Would you trade for Colin Murray right now? No. I'm not I'm not a Kyler Murray guy, so I'm I'm the wrong guy to ask. Like I I see the talent. It's hard to see. He hasn't had a great offensive line. Like, what would he look like with a good offensive line? But he's a small quarterback, and those guys, when they take a beating, we see what happens. And Kyler Murray coming off the injury, maybe he doesn't play this year, so he's going to miss 
a full calendar year without football. It's hard to trade for an asset like that. Like it's, it's not like you're trading for a running back like that because that's entirely different. But what has Kyler Murray shown us as a quarterback and as a leader that he can be a franchise guy? Like he got paid like one, but is that because he was drafted first overall and it was kind of a make good? Did he, did he deserve the money when he got it? No. So that's, so I'm probably the wrong guy to ask about trading for Kyler Murray because I don't see it. I don't see the franchise guy. And when, and that term is, is bandied about very loosely franchise guy. I don't see that with, with Kyler Murray. Like when I think franchise guy, I think Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, uh, for the longest time, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady throw in, you know, I'm, I'm Jalen hurts. Lamar Jackson. Conor Murray's not in that conversation. And nor do I think he ever will be in that conversation. Which is why I think they're trying to suck Caleb Williams. 100%. Because he's someone that we project to be in that conversation. Exactly. Well, they talk about him like Patrick Mahomes. I'm not, huh, I'm not ready to go there just yet. Speaking of the future at the quarterback position, so C.J. Stroud is the last of the three first-round quarterbacks to be named the official starter by his head coach. There's no surprise here. Davis Mills was never the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans. But when we look at Bryce Young, when we look at CJ Stroud, when we look at Anthony Richardson, of those three, who are you most looking forward to watching? Because I think I might know the answer to this one. Oh, interesting. Interesting that you know the answer because I'm actually excited. I, now that you said it, I don't know. <laughs> well, because I'm excited for all of them. I, not even just watching on the field, but watching in terms of what he means for their organization. For me, it's Anthony Richardson. Yeah. I think the ceiling on My him guess was right. is the highest. <laughs> I also think that we have seen a conveyor belt of quarterbacks come through Indianapolis post-Andrew Luck. Oh, it's a great list. Wait, is it? No, like... It's great, a great list of names. Like, yeah, great, li- great list of, of, like, mediocrity and bad. That's what I mean. I mean, like, it's fantastic to look at and say, wow, they've had success with these guys. In the last eight years, I've eight different starting quarterbacks. That's yeah, not good. In that program. Uh, they need to find who the guy that they're going to put on the side of the building is. Let's be honest. This franchise went from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. Like, who does that? Who goes from Hall of Famer to, you know, if not for the injuries, probably Hall of Famer. But... Who's going to be beside him in the backfield? The other two have a real roadmap to success given play callers, the offense. I don't know if that's true in Indianapolis, so I want to see Anthony Richardson. Because I think at the end of the day, when you watch the highlights, man, he made a couple splash plays. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at statue, you're like, ooh, this might be ugly. So I, the high variance in Richardson is what I find fascinating. What about you? So I look at the fascinating – I mean, Richardson is – like you said, they're all interesting – the one for me, and I have Richardson in that conversation, but to play devil's advocate, I'll go with C.J. Stroud because there was a time that C.J. Stroud was talked about as the lock number one pick by the Carolina Panthers. And we saw what C.J. Stroud did in the uh, in the in down the stretch for Ohio State. Like he had the game, I think it was against Alabama. It was against Bryce Young, I believe, where everybody went, that's the differentiator. That is the game that showed you that C.J. Stroud is the guy. 
think it was Alabama. And you saw all the things on Twitter about the poise that he shows, his athleticism, because he's a little bit more athletic than Bryce Young is, certainly not Anthony Richardson. But I think that he has the biggest uphill battle in terms of the players around him, in terms of talent at the wide receiver position. Carolina's wide receivers aren't murderers row, but there is a a veteran in Adam Thielen who still has probably a little bit of juice left in the tank. I think DJ Chark is a really good receiver. They drafted Jonathan Mingo. So I think that there is a path to success there for Bryce Young. For C.J. Stroud, it's a lot of unproven. It's Nico Collins and John Mechie, and they just drafted Tank Dell and an aging Robert Woods and Dalton Schultz, who was pushed aside by the Dallas Cowboys. So I think that C.J. Stroud has the, I think the talent is there, but I think he has the the hardest hill to climb in his rookie year because of the supporting cast. I think what makes that hill from perception standpoint even harder to climb is because he is wearing a tag that none other are. And Young actually has the opposite tag. It's a school that he's coming from, Ohio State. And the stigma around Ohio State quarterbacks coming into the NFL, whether it was Craig Krenzel or Troy Smith or Terrell Pryor who had to change positions or Cardale Jones or, you know, Tragically, Dwayne Haskins, who never, you know, fully got to reach his potential before he died. And now we're, we're looking at, you know. Justin Fields some, is the new one. Like Fields, who, you know, again, it's great for you in fantasy, but we're still not sure if he's going to be an elite-level QB to match where he was drafted. And so, you know, Stroud comes into this conversation in terms of like, ah, uh, you know, we've got a bit of a tax on Ohio State QBs because you've – had all the talent around you, played in a conference that might be a little bit overrated, and now you make the transition to the NFL where those things aren't the same and you can't compete at the same level. The the only the other thing, too, is, and this, this goes for Bryce Young as well uh, and C.J. Stroud, the guys they were throwing to in college are better than the guys that they're throwing to now. Yes. That's another adjustment, whereas Anthony Richardson doesn't really... He's got better weapons now than he did at Florida. So the funny thing is, is for a long time, we said that about Alabama quarterbacks and mm-hmm. why they can't make the transition. But I would argue the Alabama quarterbacks that have, the DBs that they're throwing up against in college are also better than some of the DBs That's they're throwing true. up against in the NFL as well. Yeah, the SEC is, uh, I mean, it's we know it's a monster. Uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, more college football this weekend. Yes, I stayed up and watched San Jose State and USC because I'm a degenerate. Week zero college football for you. Eh? I'm, a, I'm a Notre Dame guy, so I watched that game. I was very happy with Sam Hartman as the quarterback because God knows they haven't had one like that since Brady Quinn. It's been a long time coming. Uh, okay, AFC North preview. We gotta, we're going to get into this pretty good here before we get to uh, Bob Harris at the bottom of the hour talking some fantasy. But the AFC North is... I think it's the toughest division in football. And we kind of we kind of discussed it yesterday very briefly because we knew we were going to do this today, but is it is it easy to say that the Bengals are the class of the division? Like is it that much of a discrepancy between them and the other three teams that you can say, "Yeah, no, they're going to win this division by, you know, maybe two games," which in the NFL is a lot to win a division by when there is a perceived amount of talent like there is in this division right now. Yes. 
No question for you. No. The most complete team in the division, close to one of the most complete teams in football, especially when you look at the fact that they fortified for the second year in a row their offensive line. You can make the argument, and I think most people would at this point, because availability is an ability, that Joe Burrow is the best QB in the division. There will be people who stand on the table for Lamar Jackson and say that he's going to air it out with Munkin as his new OC, and that might be true, uh, but we, we need to see it. So, yeah, I think based off of expectations, the Bengals are in that zone where every year is Super Bowl or bust at this point. I don't think those same level of expectations are in the building in Baltimore, in Pittsburgh, and certainly not in Cleveland. I think since he's the clear number one for me in this division. You? I think that you could make the case that the Ravens could be close. Generally speaking, very good at drafting. It feels like every time they draft, it's like, oh, I can't believe that guy fell to them. And that's kind of a... I guess a benefit to being the Baltimore Ravens that people think that way of you. I think the addition of Todd Munkin with bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. And I, and I'm not high on Odell Beckham Jr., but he's by far and away better than what they've had in previous years at the position. I think the addition of Zay flowers in the first round is also another big, big addition. We've seen him in the, the highlight videos and it's, it's, preseason and training camp, and I get all that, but he's putting guys in a blender. And that, to me, like Marlon Humphrey, who is a corner on that team, said, they asked what the worst part of football is, and he says, trying to guard Zay Flowers. That's pretty good. Trying to cover Zay Flowers is the worst part about football. So I think that they're in a good spot. They were 8-4 and four last year when with Lamar Jackson as the starter. And then they they managed to get in. Tyler Huntley was Tyler Huntley, and you don't expect very much from him. I just think that we see a totally different Lamar Jackson this year with the offensive setup and with the guys that he has surrounding him. He doesn't have to be the Konami Code quarterback. He can be, but he doesn't have to rely on his legs to be that difference maker. I think we're going to see him be able to rely on his arm to be that quarterback. So I I say that the Bengals are the best team in the division, but I don't think that it's, I think it's like 1A, 1B rather than one gap and then two. So that's how I look at those two teams. I think the biggest question in this division is the other two teams. What are the Cleveland Browns? Deshaun Watson last year as a starter for the Browns when he came back was 3 and 3. The Browns finished 7 and 10. Deshaun Watson averaged 183.7 yards per game and had seven touchdowns, five interceptions and one rushing touchdown. My only thing is is that the other guy in the division that I worry about if I'm the other teams is Mike Tomlin, who is like we mentioned, never had a losing season since taking over uh, as the Steelers head coach in 2007, uh, a record of 163, 93 and 2. Last year with a con- with a very kind of I don't want to say contentious but very interesting quarterback situation, they went 9 and 8 and they have the eighth easiest schedule in the NFL this year according to Sharp Analysis Football. I'm going to say something that might sound a bit bizarre. I'm all for it. I like bizarre. Deshaun Watson is the worst quarterback in that division. 
I could see it. The Browns got worse, not better, when he became the starter. And, and it actually wasn't appreciably close. They were 10th in EPA per dropback, 4th in EPA per play, 5th in DVOA, without Watson for the first 11 weeks. They thought they were going to make a run when he got back. They did the exact opposite. Now, if you want to say, well, listen, he had 700 days between starts. He took, you know, essentially two seasons off, you know, partially because of his contract situation and suspension. And, you know, in the two seasons before that, when you look at someone who made a huge impact in fantasy, he was, you know, the second QB and the fifth QB in fantasy in those years. Sure. All I know is that the eye in the sky doesn't lie. And when you put the tape on, he is someone who did not have that sudden burst, that ability to escape the pocket, make huge plays down the field. You know who did in this preseason? Is your boy Kenny Pickett. He did. And He's very if, good. if Pittsburgh can get elite, not even elite, better than average to elite play at the QB position, the same way they have during this preseason where Kenny Pickett was by far the, the best QB in the preseason, five drives, five touchdowns in this preseason. I, I think my ceiling for Pittsburgh goes up, and I think the floor for Cleveland for me is relatively low. With Big Ben at the helm, Pittsburgh was not getting great QB play for a while, and they had to masquerade things around him. Pickett changes what the Steelers can do. I, I just don't think... Deshaun Watson is the same athlete anymore. Okay, I think you've convinced me. So let's give our let's give our rundown one to four here for the division, and then we'll take a break. Go ahead. You have the Bengals one. Bengals one, Ravens two, Steelers three, all three punching a ticket to the postseason. The Browns looking at a top five pick in the draft. I see your bold, and I will raise you a double bold. The Baltimore Ravens. Oh, wow. Number one. The pit. No, I'm kidding. The Cincinnati Bengals. Number two. You've convinced me. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Number three. I don't think the Browns are as bad as you think. I think they're knocking on the door until late in the year. And they end up finishing two wins out of the playoffs. Well, with Burroughs cap injury. That's exactly my thought. That lingers, which calves do. What is what is the adjustment for him, and how, and how long does it take? The adjustment is max protect. Jamar Chase just <laughs> run a nine. I'll throw it up to you, and hopefully you, we have three downs. Hopefully one of those three times you catch it for a first down. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the Hall of Famer himself, Bob Harris, Sirius XM Fantasy host, editor at Football Diehards, he will join us, and we'll talk about... Well, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that Ravens wide receiver core. And who's the number one guy that you should be targeting along with so many other questions. Bob Harris is next. This is the fan check down. You're listening on the Sportsnet radio network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. We'll be back in a few. Unrivaled insight, analysis, and opinions on all things Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. back the second half of the fan check down for tuesday august the 29th matt marchese donovan bennett here with you until the top of the hour and we are pleased to be joined on the line serious xm fantasy host editor at football diehards and the hall of famer bob harris bob how are you today 
Doing great, man. And Donovan, how are you guys doing? We're good. And well, we're good because football's around the corner. Fantasy football drafts oh, are yeah. here. Some people are degenerates like you and I that have already done drafts. And like, and I know you've been doing them for a while. So, I mean, we're, we're on the same page there. Donovan thinks we're crazy. Come on. What, what is the <laughs> rush? We're just having cuts now. Can you wait a minute? No, no, Bob. We don't, we don't wait for that. So <laughs> started in February when you're supposed to start, like all proper humans do. Come on now. Started drafting in February? There's a reason why Bob's a Hall of Famer. Oh, my goodness. You, you might be steeped in this subject to feel comfortable, I think. <laughs> uh, or, or, or maybe that's just your excuse to be a degenerate, whichever. Right. I'll take the, fir- I'll take the first or the second. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, so we, we talked about... Um, we talked about the the AFC North before the break and did a preview. And one of the teams that we obviously discussed is the Baltimore Ravens. I'm having, I don't feel like I'm having a hard time with this, but when you look at the trio of wide receivers that are there, when you're projecting the numbers for the season, who for you is the guy that ends up finishing? Because I think it's safe to say they're going to finish behind Mark Andrews as long as he's healthy. But who is the wide receiver that you like to target this year in that offense? Or is it none of them? Uh, it's, it's, it's been all, so I guess the, the, one of the great things about drafting a lot is to experiment and try drafting all these guys. And I think for me, I, the right answer is I'm often the cheapest one. Uh, and in this case, it's Rashad Bateman. And there's a pretty good argument to be made that, you know, the outcomes, the range of possible outcomes is he ends up being the wide receiver one. I think Zay Flowers is probably the one that most people are going to want to draft. Uh, looked great over the course of preseason play. Also, all the reporting from camp has been super positive as well. So, that you know, if I was drafting in a single draft, that might be the pick. But if I'm waiting and I'm trying to play super values and there are players going in the same range as Dave Flowers that I think I'd rather have or I feel more comfortable with, you know, Bateman's only drawback has been health. And he comes in, you know, obviously, you know, had some issues this offseason with the foot that was an issue last season. So, if that's a concern for you, I get it. But also, he was a former first-round draft pick. They have some capital invested in him. Uh, I think he would fare well. Look, I'm not against it. I think all three of them are going reasonably priced enough so that if you feel like Odell Beckham, you want to cash in on this last chance for him. Uh, and, I mean, he's acknowledged this will be his last season. Uh, and, and, you know, a, a decent touchdown threat, right? But they uh, is probably the correct answer here for the average drafter. Talk to me about where you have Jonathan Taylor on your board. This is a player who went from, for some people, is a consensus number one to some people now don't even want to look at him in the first couple of rounds because they're not sure of health and because of role and team. Where are you looking at be, feeling comfortable drafting Jonathan Taylor? I'm still drafting, comfortable drafting him at the tail end of the running back one. There are some players I like a little better that are rising up my ranks. Jameer Gibbs being one of them in Detroit, and we could talk about that if you'd like. But oh, then you get into the Ramondre Stevenson, you know, range of players, and I mean, you can make start making an argument for Jonathan Taylor. How we may find something out while we're sitting here chatting right now. Uh, looks like the Dolphins are making some moves that suggest they're. We, we know they're interested, right? But they just reworked Cedric Wilson's contract and opened up three million in cap space. They let go of Miles Gaskin, one of the four running backs they re-signed this offseason. So we'll see. But this is the thing when you're drafting, right? And there, you're dealing with uncertainty. It creates value. Prices drop when people aren't certain. So depending on your style of play. And if you feel like uh, confident that you can cobble something together in the interim, you maybe catch this guy at a value. I think seeing him go in the third or fourth round is not unusual right now. 
And if he ends up playing, let's say, 16 games as opposed to 17, he's still going to be pretty good. If he plays 15 games, he's going to be great for 15 games. I think that's a pretty fair price for him. If I see him falling into the third round, I'm willing to take that gamble. My biggest concern would be that he, you know, remains in Indianapolis and he's disgruntled and, you know, and there are issues with him and the team going forward. But I think once the season starts, I, I always recommend people, you know, to, to, to stop and think for a minute. Are the stories we're talking about today going to be the stories we're talking about in September? More importantly, are they going to be the stories we're talking about in October? You know, the first month of the season is always a little shaky. There's a lot of unexpected things. It takes a little time for the offenses to normalize and catch up with the defenses as is. When you hit October, you know, you need to have a couple wins going into then. But that's when you really want to focus on, you know, dialing your team in. I think, I think at that point, uh, people who have Jonathan Taylor are going to be happy they do. So how much does he move up your rankings if he does go to Miami? Because Miami was one of the better uh, run-blocking teams in the league last year, according to Pro Football Focus. They just didn't run the ball a lot. Right. And maybe that's because they didn't have Jonathan Taylor. But there is there is also this issue, and Donovan and I talked about this you know, about a month ago, and that is there is a problem with Kyle Shanahan running backs and now Mike McDaniel running backs. You can make the argument. It's because they're the same, but also the scheme that they run is not conducive to keeping running backs healthy. Does that also worry you at all? Uh, yeah. I mean, given the Taylor's recent history, you, you, you should know this, Matt. I am injury agnostic. I'm not, you know, I'm not playing. Uh, I'm not playing as if I'm expecting people to get hurt. Even if they have a history of getting hurt, I am a little concerned when they start out hurt though. Right, like injury agnostic, but not stupid. Uh, and you know, if I had a better feeling for Taylor's health, we heard the procedures he had that are limiting him now were minor back in February, and yet they're still an issue. So you feel like this is contractual. Um, but I mean, it would be of, it would be of some concern. I, I you know I just don't go into a season believing that someone's going to you know get get hurt. It's a double edged sword of fantasy football. Volume is where points come from. Volume is also what opens the door to more injuries, right? It's more chances on the field, more hits, more stopping and cutting on those uh, ankles and feet. Those, you know, that creates an issue, but I still need that volume to get the point. He would move up for me in Miami, probably into the running back six or seven range. So we've seen over the course of the last couple of years a shift in terms of positional priority in the first couple rounds. Historically, it's always been you get your three down back first, then you build your team around it. Now we're seeing people prioritize receivers first and those back tiers tending to drop in terms of ADP. Are you in line with that methodology? And for you, where's that line in terms of when it makes sense to think receiver relative to running back? Two schools of thought here. One is Dick when everyone else is zagging. So when you see all these people, you know, following that receiver-heavy approach early and you go running back heavy or, or, or you know, get a uh, – like what, what we're calling an anchor running back in the first or second round. I'm pretty comfortable with that, but I'm also pretty comfortable with the range of running backs that are going later on in draft. Uh, that, that there just seems to be a wealth of them when you get down to that 16-17 range and you can start dipping into the Kevin Walker, Cam Akers, James Conner, J.K. Dobbins. Alexander Madison, Rashad White, uh, Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce. I mean, there's there's a whole slew of them, right? And probably Dalvin Cook's going later in that area, maybe later than he should. Alvin Kamara, you know, he's going to miss three games. Isaiah Pacheco, Pacheco, both of the commanders running back. You know, I I think there's a wide swath of guys. I've left James Cook out of that list, too, and Khalil Herbert. So 
I mean, I think there's really a broad pool of depth, but I think that, that you know, the people who are going with the receivers and, and even quarterbacks earlier than we used to feel comfortable going with, uh, especially that top three tier of Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts. Um, we're just following what the NFL is telling us to follow, right? The NFL is investing its resources and capital and draft capital on the passing attack. And I mean, I know teams are still run a fair amount, but just the value of running backs is viewed differently. And so that's why that huge swath of players available, you know, in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round of your fantasy draft are still going to get the job done. It's just the, the way the NFL values the other players, people are following suit with that. And I think it's perfectly fine because there is such a deep pool. They used to call it the running back dead zone. It's now just like, to me, a wealth of, uh, of talent and some considerable volume opportunities there. So you mentioned zigging when people zag. I, I guess I, I double zig because I actually don't want a running back in the first round this year because of some injury concerns. There's so much wide receiver depth. I think I can get receivers later. I, I want to f- get Travis Kelsey in the first round. And I want to take a receiver and play him in my tight end slot every single week. It, it, am I missing something? <clears throat> no, you are making a great point. I, I've seen Travis Kelsey go as early as one overall. And there's a reason for that. If somebody really wants Travis Kelsey and they have the first pick overall, that's their only chance to get them. Cause what you say is true. He is going in the first round. I don't think, uh, in the literally over a hundred drafts I've done this year, I've seen him fall out of the first round more than once. Uh, and that's because of something we call leverage over the field, right? When you have a single player who dominates the position so much that every week it's a win. And it is generally speaking. I mean, two seasons ago, I think Mark Andrews, you know, posted better totals, but I mean, over the course of the last seven years, uh, Travis Kelsey, and, and on top of that, he produces as a high-end, he's a top-end wide receiver and total points as well. So there's something to be said for that. But, no, it's not crazy at all. It's a super good move. I see a lot of people do it, and uh, I've done it a number of times myself, and I do it happily. And then I come back around, and I'm not afraid to get a, a receiver with that second pick. You see a lot of people pair him up with Patrick Mahomes in the second round these days. Um, not totally against that, depending on where you're drafting in the first round, how early you take him. Uh, it's possible that Mahomes coming back is your is your best play and then going around in the third round and getting another receiver as well. So try and think a little ahead, too. I mean, you guys know this. You know, it's not checkers, kids. It's chess. I mean, be thinking two or three rounds ahead so you can kind of build a strategy and have an approach. And whether whether you can follow it or not, be fluid. That's the other thing. I get so many questions. Should I draft two wide receivers to start my draft? No, you should draft the two best players available. And if they happen to be wide receivers, good for you. If not, you know, be ready to adjust. I think that always kind of goes without saying, but apparently not. Um, But I love Travis Kelsey. Uh, There is, you know, there is something to be said for having a player and a half at a position. Bob Harris, Sirius XM fantasy host, editor at Football Diehards and Fantasy Sports Association writer, Hall of Fame. So um, there is... There's one guy that we get the rookies have a tendency to not get drafted super high running backs more so than wide receivers. But this year we have Bijan Robinson. And the last time we saw a rookie running back with this much hype was Saquon Barkley, who was getting into the, you know, top like around pick eight between pick eight and pick 12 as a rookie. Bijan Robinson goes to an offense in Atlanta where they want to run the heck out of the ball and they're going to use him all over the field. Don't know about the quarterback play, but he's going to get the ball a lot. 
How high are you willing to draft Bijan Robinson this year? Uh, that's high. I mean, you left somebody out, though, and that somebody is Clyde Edwards aware. That one didn't work oh, out. Oh, yeah. Course, Jeez, right? I, I mean, forgot. So, so it's not a deadlock. Look, Bijan Robinson's generational talent, as anyone who covers the draft has probably already told you 3,000 times, so I will spare you as much as I can. He's very good. It's Arthur Smith is pretty creative with his offense. We've seen him use a guy like Cordero Patterson, who, uh, you know, other coaches like Bill Belichick, who was supposed to be a pretty good coach, couldn't figure out the way to use him. Uh, Arthur Smith twisted up that uh, Rubik's Cube of talent and turned it into a great thing. And, uh, and, and I'm expecting him to come up with great ways to use B. John Robinson. Do I have concerns about the overall offensive volume in Atlanta? Maybe. Um, but I, he's not making it. I haven't seen him make it past pick eight since the draft. And, and I think if you want him, you're going to have to get him there. I would suggest, I've mentioned Jameer Gibbs. If we're drafting Bijan Robinson based primarily on the notion that guys with top 10 draft capital get high end volume and production as rookies, then I'll remind you, Jameer Gibbs went with the 12th pick overall. Uh, and seemed to be the guy the Lions were keyed in on. They traded down from 6 to 12. And, you know, if you watch the videos floating around on the platform formerly known as Twitter, you can see they were uh, ecstatic that he made it down, that he fell to them at 12, almost as if they might have taken him at 6. They said they still got their guy. So, uh, and again, you know, he's going to be sharing with David Montgomery. Also, Bijan's going to be sharing to some degree with Tyler Algier, to some degree with Cordell Patterson. So, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to imagine Bijan not getting you know that super high end you know number of touches. I think Jameer Gibbs might get you that, and he also might get you that in the third round. Although that price is climbing, so if it gets too high, I'll maybe dial back a little bit on my enthusiasm for Gibbs. But 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 as as of right now, I think he's kind of discount Bijan Robinson. Yeah, I kind of agree with that, Bob. Listen, you've been so gracious with your time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Greatly appreciated, and good luck with your hundreds of drafts that you've done. I wish you all the best and success with your <laughs> leagues this year. To get down to the important ones now, now the ones that, that you're into all matter the most. So I really enjoy that. Appreciate you guys having me on. Hope you have great luck with your teams as well. Thank you very much. There he goes. Bob Harris, Sirius XM fantasy host, editor at Football Diehards and Fantasy Sports Writer Association, Hall of Famer. Donovan, when he said that he did 100 drafts, you shook your head. You're like, what? I'm trying to think of what <laughs> I've done 100 times since February. Um, change diapers. That's it. Like, oh yeah, that's yeah, drafts. That's what what are we talking about? It it that to me would be information overload. Like when you are steeped in it, like he is, you are able to separate all of the data and minutia. But to me, all of the drafts, all of the trends would at some point just blend together. See here, if I said that I did a hundred drafts, I would get home and <laughs> my wife would murder me. You did what? You should have been washing the dishes, doing the laundry, cutting the grass. You did a hundred fantasy drafts. Well, it's research for that's your daily say. NFL radio show. That's what I tell her. Sportsnet Radio Network. She knows now. She gets it. I said, I told she. I said I got to watch football from like morning until night, and she's like, she's like, really? I'm like, you know what you signed up for? This is the world that we live in. And now it's like taken to the next level. Cause I was always a little bit behind the curtain here. I would always use it as an excuse. Be like, yeah, I have to, I have to watch every game. I have to know what's going on. I got like four screens going on at the same time. And she's, she put up with it. And now it's like a legit thing. Now I'm not making it up. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we are. Did you just drop a, 
<laughs> you you know what you signed up for? Oh yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> How long have you been married? Uh, six years. Wow. Okay. We've been together since I was seventeen. So that's seventeen years ago. My I mean, friend. I guess at that point she does know what she signed up. I for. played when we lifetime met, contract, no trade clause. Yeah, when we met, I was playing hockey at a high level, and I coach hockey and play men's league and fantasy sports, and all, she knows she likes sports though. So that's where I get away with it. I think to an extent, she doesn't like them like I do. It, it's it's not the wife that's the issue in terms of football viewing in my house. It's the children. Yeah, that's see my daughter. They run the screens. Yeah, my my, my daughter is not allowed to watch TV. We try, but she's gonna watch a lot of football this year. <laughs> you're you're a better man than me. I we're also she's she just turned one, so we can we can kind of get away with it. We can hey look over here. That's not a TV. Look over here, right, and yeah. we can get away with it. Other than that, no. Uh, so we are about an hour away from the potential Jonathan Taylor deadline. I think we don't know mystery team. Who knows? Maybe we'll have something when we come back. We're not here tomorrow, but we're back on Thursday. Thank you to everyone that listened. Thank you to all of you out there. Thank you to technical operator, Dylan Brown. Thank you to my co-host Donovan Bennett. This has been the fan check down on the Sportsnet radio network. Find the podcast, subscribe, download, like us, give us a review. Tell us how great we are. We always love that. And we'll be back on Thursday. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great day.